the five count. I happen to love the number five. You have a high five. You've got a low five. It's a beautiful number, a glorious number. The five count. And welcome to The Five Count. We are on episode three with myself, Max Curtin, and my beautiful co-host... Jesse Patrick Benz. Oh, you're much more enthusiastic this week. Did you listen to last week's recording when we did the intro? Of course you didn't. Who would do that? (laughs) We did the intro and I was like, I'm Max Curtin, welcome to The Five Count, and my co-host is, and you just went, Jesse Benz. Oh, sorry. I was probably tired or just sick of the connection issues that we were having or something. Probably, probably. But uh, we are in week three, and this week's top five focuses on top five WCW wrestlers who were underused. Now, yeah, excluding um, people who became champions later on, world champions later on. Yeah, Jesse set down some rules which I thought were pretty interesting rules to set down because if you were just doing this list for the most underutilized wrestlers, you would have Chris Jericho, Eddie Guerrero, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and it'd be yeah, a pretty exactly. boring list. Yeah, um, you could you could even put AJ Styles in that list. He wrestled. Um, I think it was one match on WCW telly before they folded. Very true. So we decided to mix up a little bit and just go for people who did not hold a world championship in WCW at the time or later if they joined WWE. So Eddie Guerrero, Chris Jericho, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Retracted were not included in this list. (laughs) Redacted. Redacted, Redacted, sorry. Screwed up again. Get his his name right. (laughs) It's like vacant holding the championship. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Last week we reviewed our top five favourite matches from the No Mercy pay-per-view from 1999 all the way up to 2016. Ah, Vince, Stephanie. Oh my god, yes, I forgot about Stephanie I went back and rewatched it, by the way. Yeah? Do you love it now? No, you're wrong. (laughs) It's it's so good. I, I could watch that match on repeat forever. That's a troubling. That says a lot more about you than it does anything else. It's entertainment. Damn it. Uh, Damn it. So, this Sunday was No Mercy 2017. We're going to quickly go into this. Jesse, No Mercy 2017, did any of the matches on that pay per view, would you like to change any of your top five now? Oh, um, what? we? Uh, oh, you mean add them to last week's top five? Yeah. Uh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, not a chance in hell. <laughs> Oh my! Um, what best, were your best match, best match was the tag match. Best match was the tag match, and it was really, really good. But it didn't. T- it still didn't touch the top, the top fifteen No Mercy matches of all time. I would say no, not even close. It was yeah. The tag match was brilliant, and I think that said a lot about those four men in particular. That they were up against two WrestleMania caliber matches, and they blew them out the water. It was yeah. Great yeah. tag match, and it's a tag match we've seen before. I've seen it multiple times now, and it was still entertaining. Yeah, Dean, I've never been that mad on Dean Ambrose, to be honest with you. I know you like him a lot, but he definitely, working with someone like Seth, he seems to step his game up and seems to have a bit of motivation and be up for it more, which is cool. And I actually really enjoyed his performance in the tag match. I think he's got kind of that Randy Orton syndrome where it's like, when he can be bothered and when he's enjoying what he's doing, he's he's great. He's so entertaining. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same. Like His world title run I thought was fantastic, you know, when he was like the king of SmackDown. And then oh, there's just been certain moments, like before he got teamed with Seth, where he just dialed it in. He did his same couple of moves every match, and that was it. But now he's got that passion back again. Yeah, totally. I still hate 
hate his bounce off the middle rope though. Oh, it's the worst. You know, when he bounces bounces back and his knee hits the top rope to sort of come back for a clothesline, I hate that. Yeah. It first time he did it it was like really natural and smooth and looked great, but when they throw him into it and they stand there and then he does the slingshot and hits them, it's it so stupid. It just feels so forced. I feel like the same way about that. I feel about um, Rey Mysterio. Like people always going for Rey Mysterio, and like always ending up landing in the six one nine position on the ropes. And yeah. it's like you, no one lands on the ropes like that for anyone else no, ever. Any but just match. coincidentally for Rey. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, yeah, half of that tag match though, I was just feeling my two front teeth with my tongue. Oh God. So I thought that he'd knocked out his teeth. Yeah, me too. Turns but... out, reading it afterwards, and the reports and stuff, he didn't knock them out. They got pushed up into his gums. Yeah, that's why there was oh. so much blood. Horrible, right? It makes makes my toes curl, man. Well, I think everyone had that. It was just, you heard it as well, because um, if you yeah. haven't seen it, I'm sure it's gone around everywhere if you're a wrestling fan. Dean Ambrose has uh, Cesaro with the legs and he slingshots him into the corner normal spot uh, Cesaro I don't know just went a little bit too over face hits the the metal between the ring post and, and the turnbuckle <laughs> he's pad. dead and oh the sound and he immediately drops to his knees and you see his teeth just not there nasty uh, do you I don't know if this is I feel, I feel like this public podcast is an appropriate place to ask this question when you see something like that do, does your ball bag retract inside you a little a little bit. A little bit. It clenches. Definitely clenches. Yeah. I'm glad it's not just me, because that, that that definitely happened to me when I saw that. Anyone who I've shown it to has had the same reaction when I watched it. It was just, just the exact same noise across anyone I show it to. Just, <laughs> no. Yeah, so, it's horrible. Um, but I went... Like, it, it's like, it obviously was nowhere near as bad, but it's like the same reaction as when you watch um, Sid Justice when he breaks his leg in WCW. Yeah, that is pretty horrible. Have you have you seen that when he jumps off the top? Of course. It, it's, yeah. It, yeah, horrible. Thanks for that. It's back there. That's all right. I just, yeah, clen- I just clenched right yeah. then. Yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> but I went into that match, obviously, wanting Dean and Seth to win because I didn't want the bar. By the end of it, I wanted the bar to win that match and take back those titles. That's how good yeah. a match it was. My favorite spot was they were going to do a spot that they did originally to win the titles where Sheamus has got him in. I think it's called the White Noise, his, his finish where he drops him down. Um, and Cesaro's on the yeah, top yeah. rope and Seth was going to come in, do the Hurricane Rana and, and break that up. Uh, but then Cesaro catches him, White Noise, and then powerbomb Seth Rollins onto Ambrose. Loved that. Absolutely loved that. Yeah, cool move. I love Sheamus. I think he's a really good strong style wrestler. And I'm glad that he's finally... Um, he's not getting the go-away heat like he was when he um, won the title. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, when he won it from Roman. It's... In the bank and stuff. And Yeah, he's getting the right sort of heat now. Yeah, definitely. Because I've only ever seen Sheamus wrestle once, and that was with you when we saw him uh, Birmingham last year, year before, uh, when he faced off against Finn Balor. Yes, against Finn. And that was one yeah, of our favourite awesome matches match. of the night, wasn't it? It was because they, yep. they just hit the hell out of each other. I think it's one of the best matches I've ever seen live. That is quite a statement. But yeah, like I'd agree. Person. It was yeah. an incredible match. And yeah, that's the first time I've ever seen Sheamus live. And it's kind of a shame, really, after seeing how good that match was. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, we've only talked about one match at No Mercy. <laughs> the rest aren't worth talking about, really. No, um... I, I do want to express my anger about how 
Brock Lesnar put down Braun Strowman with one F5. One F5. I know. Yeah. One. I know. And we were talking about, I think it was on the first episode, we were talking about how in the old days, one finish was all it took. And one finish should be all it takes. And it's rubbish that it takes loads. But if it does take loads with everyone else, it should take even more with Braun Strowman if you're trying to book him like a monster. Yeah. That man was attempted murder in an ambulance and he walked away from it. Yeah. And a one F5 yeah. puts him down. Yeah, unless unless, you know, that in their minds they're trying to make Brock Lesnar look like even more of a beast, you know. Yeah. But it it didn't work. It didn't work. You can't you can't do that to your up and comers. Yeah. And the flip on that, Roman and Cena. Cena yeah. hits how many AAs and even a super AA from the top rope. Yeah. And Roman still kicks out. Yeah, I I lost count how many finishes there were from Cena. And Roman hits one spear. It's like, yeah, that's it. It's like, I get the whole passing of the torch and it was a nice little story and all of that. Um, but yeah, that, that was another thing. But like was... I said, like I said, like I said last week, um, it's Cena should have won. Cena should absolutely have won because this 100%. is a money program that should go to Mania. Yeah. And it seems pointless for it to go to Mania now because Cena shouldn't win on the big stage when like fans will be watching as well. Roman should win. Yeah, because what was the what was the finishing? You know, raising Reigns' hand, which is tradition now, apparently, and then Reigns being respect. I respect you now as a veteran. It's like, well, you should have respected him before because you're a babyface. Um, and then Cena doing his little bow and goodbye. Yeah, which he did at SummerSlam when he lost to AJ Styles last year as well. Yeah, like I get you're doing Same the whole shit. going away to Hollywood, but it's. You know, you'll you'll be back in four months, and you'll be all energized again. And I don't get it. I I just I just don't understand it. I don't, yeah. Well, it's they've like, it's so it's good that we're doing WCW stuff this week because uh, the the way WWE's booked at the moment reminds me so much of um, sort of two thousand two thousand and one WCW. Yeah, and um, it, it is getting to the point. Just where no I, direction. I just can't be bothered with that side of the product, you know. It's just too much to watch. Yeah. And it's exhausting, so... Can we just do a let's do a New Japan rated list soon, please, just so that I can enjoy what I have to watch as research. <laughs> 100%, 100%. Um, so that kind of segues nicely into our top five this week. Um, you see it happen in WWE at the moment. You've got a lot of underrated guys that could be pushed to the top and really make an impact. Same thing was happening... Uh, oh god, it's fifteen to twenty years ago now. With uh, with WCW, in the sense that you had a lot, a lot of talent, but uh, WCW just did not want to pull the trigger on them. In the sense that they had their guys, they had their brothers, and oh yeah, and they just wanted to keep those guys at the very top. Sorry, I just can't resist. I had, they had to keep those guys at the very top level, and no one was breaking into it at all. And they lost out on a lot of good talent, which I think could have cemented WCW. Um, this list could have been in the top 10, top 20 easily. Because when I was going through this, and I texted you earlier today, um, the research I've been doing on this, because I watched WCW when I was younger, and it was a sense of, I remember a lot of stuff, but I've really had to go back this week and, like search out lists that people have made and then go back and watch matches and, and see if I kind of agree. And it was endless. The amount of underused talent in that promotion was just mind-blowing. Absolutely yeah. mind-blowing. 
But don't criticise WCW for that because there's loads in WWE as well, and there was in WF. Oh yeah, back there, back back then too. You know, I mean, you could do this list for any for any promotion really. There's loads of good talent everywhere that's True. not being properly. But it's easier to criticise WCW because you know of the booking issues and the the main event glass ceiling, as it were, that made yeah. it kind of unattainable. You know, sometimes WWE will throw a bone to to a wrestler and you know give them that little push. These guys were just stuck stuck at where they were so well, i mean ben- benoit is a great example benoit you know on his last night in wcw won the world title that was sort of their way to try and keep him and so he sort of went up really good um ddp sting like these people um grew into main eventers they didn't just get thrown in, in there yeah. like like so many others did you know yes lex luger like Luger, yeah, Hogan, obviously, um, Macho Man, as much as I love him. Ric Flair obviously worked his way up everywhere in the world for years, possibly centuries. And, we don't know. Um, <laughs> quick, quick, uh, quick break in regards to Ric Flair. He he said today that he has slept with over ten thousand women. I I believe it. Fun fact. Yeah. Has did um, did Rick ever um, do any shows? near the sort of Gloucestershire area in 1989, do you think? <laughs> Is that what because you're holding out for? If he did, there's a chance I'm a Ric Flair bastard son. It's surprised for, with that kind of number, how little bastard sons we know about. They must be out there. They must be out there. So whenever you're in the street, listeners, and you see just someone who looks slightly like Ric Flair, just nods to them and be like, bastard. If you see anyone styling and profiling. <laughs> but, um... Uh, either that or he needs to get into the condom advertising game or bring out his own brand of condoms because that dude's obviously got some bit going on you could like get the, the long strands with just woo written down them <laughs> that'd be amazing <laughs> that'd be so good I think we'll message him we'll be down for the business idea he really would yeah yeah. I, you could bring chops in there somehow as well <laughs> I don't think you should be chopping anything down there no no, dangerous time. Big chops. Big chops. Okay. <laughs> um, but back to our back to our, our list of uh, underrated WCW wrestlers. So these are our people who maybe were were floating around the main event scene or were in the mid card area, but never got that kind of have a run with the ball. You know, take this. Let's put you in some programs for the world title. Let's get you in that top tier. Um, and and maybe should have been. And as we said at the start of the show, these aren't your your Chris Benoit's, your Jericho's, your Eddie's. These are maybe people of forgotten year which we'll do our best to kind of describe why they should have been in that top kind of tier and if you get intrigued please just go and have a look you know you've got youtube and the network at your, your disposable check these guys out because they're in our top fives for a reason and i spent so long watching wcw this week and i'm exhausted so someone please just go and watch some of the stuff i talk about <laughs> i like i love wcw i prefer watching um, nitro to raw currently is that um uh, well yeah. yeah and and back then as well i mean uh, there's probably a, a turning point like basically until stone cold steve austin becomes um a main eventer i preferred nitro yeah 100 percent. i because you had the option over here to watch either nitro or, or follow wf and nitro was just always that much more entertaining to me yeah me too 100 um i went first last week so Mr. Jesse Benz, please enlighten me. What is the fifth most underrated WCW wrestler of all time? 
Okay, my number five is Johnny B. Bad. Johnny B. Bad. Who, okay. Johnny B. Bad, who um, you'll know better as Mark Miro mm, in yes. the WWF, Sable's ex-husband. And he had a brilliant run in WCW. Um, do you, have you ever seen him as Johnny B. Bad? Never seen him as Johnny B. Bad, no. No. It was basically he was basically Little Richard. That was the gimmick, right? He he like Johnny B. Good. He was Little Richard, and just like flamboyant. And but it was over. He did it really well, and it was a really good babyface. He had an amazing program with um, DDP in '95 over the TV title, in which he at one point won DDP's wife Kimberly, and. <laughs> Um, he says as, a, as if it's a normal occurrence in any sport. Yeah, well, in wrestling it is, yeah. And, um, and if rumours are to be believed, uh, many, many people over the years have um, won Kimberly in one way or another. But um, particularly Bischoff, apparently. But um, there's one there's one match, right? Like Mark Merrow, I watched in WF and never thought much of him, no, as I'm sure you didn't. Uh, and uh, But there's one match, and it's with Eddie Guerrero, so you can argue that okay, it's good because Eddie's amazing, which is true, but Johnny B. Bad more than does his bit. It's brilliant. And I implore anyone listening to this to watch it who hasn't, and you need to go watch it as well, Max. It's, so um, WCW. I, I know, just I one, more, one, more one, match more. Me, one more match for me. It's from um, November the 13th, 1995, Nitro, and it's Johnny B. Bad and Eddie um, for the television title, and it is fantastic it's a really really good match honestly really really good just go check it out and watch johnny b bad's work rate and it's and the crowd are into it as well they're just going mad for it and it's just great and it's yes johnny b bad was a lame gimmick but things like you know Shawn michaels got over being a male stripper so there's no reason johnny b bad couldn't have got over with this gimmick if he'd stuck with wcw but instead he went to wf became a kind of cuck to sable and then um and then disappeared in obscurity and now he does um now he does sort of um promotion not promotional what's the word i'm looking for like make you feel good about yourself talks at schools and stuff oh, which is yeah. which yeah so that was that's the legacy of mark miro but johnny b bad not remembered really by anyone nope. but i i really enjoyed that character and please check that match out. okay i will i'll um yeah because in all honesty johnny b bad just does not come onto my radar for some reason um so google him get, get a picture up of him now now type in sorry listeners you're gonna hear uh johnny b bad it sounds quite percussive you're typing it does doesn't it oh i like it i don't know why it came yeah. up with uh, i typed in johnny b bad and then it came up with lazy town i don't really know why <laughs> that is a um wow yeah, right. I, I'm Flamboyant. So, so he's like, he looks like he's borrowed the ring, the robe from Flair with the pink tassels. He's holding some kind of large pink stick with <laughs> boxing gloves. It looks like. Oh, I don't think I don't know if the boxing gloves were a permanent fixture. That doesn't ring a bell with me, but um, but uh, maybe. I'm going to save that image and I'm going to post that on the uh, the Twitter or the Instagram later. Oh yeah, good idea. <laughs> We're going to give um, a fun thing we can do on the old Twitter. I will be doing um, is. We'll do a recommended match for the match that you need to check out, and then we'll post oh, nice. that on there for one that you you guys should uh, check out and follow. Uh, well, it'll be this one this week. It'll be. Don't get ahead of yourself. <laughs> we got a long way to okay. go. We're only at five on here. What's our Twitter handle, mate? Twitter handle is you can follow us on Twitter at five count pod. 
Is that five the number or five the word? Five the word. Five Five count count pod. Nice. And if you want to follow us on Instagram, you can find us on the five count wrestling. I uploaded a picture of Cesaro with his two front teeth missing. Next to the caption, all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. That's (laughs) the kind of quality you're going to be getting. Well, I'm excited. I will definitely follow it. (laughs) Yeah, it's a bit alarming that you haven't already. (laughs) I'm a busy man. Busy man. Uh, Johnny B. Good at number five. I, I like that. Johnny B. Bad. Johnny B. Bad, sorry. That's the play on words, you idiot. I've got the song in my head now. We're like we're doing a radio <laughs> show down there, and that's Johnny B. Good. <laughs> okay, good choice, good choice. Um, mine is a man who I started watching the start of his career, fantastic, and then we hit 94. Uh, oh, does it all go wrong for him? I'm talking about heavy metal fan hammer. <laughs> Amazing! What a brilliant one to pluck out. It was. I was blown away. Him in 1991 when he made his debut. Uh, I saw him with matches facing up against like um, Cactus Jack. It would have been Cactus Jack at the time. Um, and he, I saw a match against uh, Steve Austin and Doug Summers. He fought as well. Great talent. Like it, the look of him. So his gimmick was obviously Van Hammer. He had the heavy metal gimmick. He came out, first time I saw him, he came out with a V guitar, it shot Pyro out, he had this amazing soundtrack with motorbikes and stuff, and he just looked, he just looked money, he really did, and the crowd just reacted to him. Um, and later on in his career, I started to notice there's not a lot of charisma to this guy, but he didn't really need it back then, he just needed that kind of um, rock and roll gimmick, and it just got him over no issues. The Cactus Jack series he had, any match with Cactus Jack... I was just blown away by. He, um, yeah, 1991 was great. 92, really strong as well. They they start to put him in some big matches. Um, got a US title shot, all of that kind of stuff. And then was doing stuff with uh, Jesse the Body. And nice. It was, yeah, he was really good. And 93 as well. But then he went over to WWF for a tryout. Uh, he worked heel, got defeated, and that was it. I think it was like one match. Did he keep the same gimmick in WF? I don't know, actually. All I know is he had a tryout match. Okay. And that was it at WF Superstars. And, and then WCW didn't want him back? No, they took him back. They took him back okay. in 1994. And I don't know if they made him regret taking that tryout, <laughs> but it seemed to go all downhill from there for some reason. Um, yeah. He he was he returned and he, he did some more weird stuff where... Uh, he he was doing his arm wrestling title that he was defending, and then he. Oh, got, I've heard about that. Yeah, it was like Jesse the Body's kind of challenge and stuff, and then he was put into <laughs> the flock, which was with Raven, which seemed to be dumping ground for any mid carder they didn't know what to do with, um, and then he just kind of started to job out, pretty much, um, and that kind of stayed with him, and you know he went on to the Misfits and all of that kind of stuff, but. That was pretty much it for him. Unfortunately, they they had this guy who had the look. He was a he was a big guy, um, with like the blonde hair, kind of like a really jacked up looking Kenny Omega, like super nice. jacked up Kenny Omega. <clears throat> and yeah, he had the gimmick, he had the look. His move set was pretty good. It wasn't like blow your mind, but the crowd popped for it every time. Um, but yeah, ever since '94, it just kind of steadily went downhill. To the point, the last match I watched was him against Sid Vicious, and it was just five minutes of Sid Vicious beating him up. And I went, <laughs> well, this is where I stopped following your career for a little bit. Uh, but I mean, guy. if they had kind of 
taken him from that heavy metal gimmick in 91 and just kept molding that. Uh, he could have been one of your, your top big men. He kind of had that test feel, you know what I mean? Where there's not a whole lot of charisma there, but there's the talent. There's something, there's yeah. Something there, and if they'd nurtured that, I reckon you could have had a big star on your hands. Very good. I like that both of our top fives are rip-offs of um, like famous musicians. <laughs> top five rip-off gimmicks. we got Little Richard and Van Halen, yeah. I love it. Hit me with your top four, baby. Okay, my number four, and I feel like I feel like I'm justified in putting him in here. My number four is Flying Brian Pillman. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Give me why now, you don't think he's why you undenied about it. Because had he not passed away when he did, I don't think he would have been legible for this list because I think he would have made it to the main event scene in the WWF, and that obviously would have excluded him from this list but given that when he died um he can be in this list i guess yeah uh, but, uh, he, and he had a fairly good run in wcw with the um reformed four horsemen and um and i i thought the loose cannon character in wf was amazing i could just watch that yeah, forever definitely. i think the promos are brilliant but by the time he got there um his body was pretty banged up he had a horrendous car accident where um and this is another one where your ball bag goes in you um where his uh, foot went 180 degrees round but Jesse, so he had have... that's the other way <laughs> yeah exactly and he had to have surgery on it and, st- and ever since then he his wrestling wasn't the same so as far as work rate and the best wrestling we got that in WCW Sorry, from Brian. I'm, I'm just still on the foot thing. I'm just, I'm still there. I'm still living it. Oh, it's horrible. It's horrible. Like, I just feel bad now because I, I got injured a couple of months ago and I, and I, I tore some stuff on my foot and I made a big deal about that. But my foot didn't go 180 degrees. Yeah, and Brian bad. Pillman kept wrestling. Yeah, I was on crutches and yeah, I felt bad for myself for a month and then. He just kept wrestling. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But I, I mean, I mean, he died. So who's the winner, really? But it's. Uh, but he definitely did it for the business. One in the wing column for me. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, his. Um, I thought he was brilliant. I loved. He was the first wrestler to break the fourth wall. Um, in as far as backstage stuff, which, as in my opinion, has gone too far down that road nowadays. But he did it in really cool way. Do you remember his um, "I Respect You" match with Kevin Sullivan? I do not know. Is this going to be another one we're going to have to post? Is that what? Well, uh, there's plenty. Um, <laughs> but um, he had a, you know, Kevin Sullivan from the Dungeon of Doom in WCW, yeah. not the not the beaver toothed Kevin Sullivan who does cameras and stuff. Uh, yeah, um, the the one who really killed Nancy. No, uh, that's not true. Every week, um, every week we have a goddamn Benoit reference. <laughs> But anyway, they had a uh, Kevin Sullivan was booking for WCW at the time, um, as well as performing, which is always a terrible idea. And um, they had an I respect you match, which is basically an I quit match, except you have to say I respect you on the mic instead of I quit. I think that's much worse than I quit. Yeah, exactly, because they hated each other. And um, so going at it, and then eventually Brian Pillman just picks up the mic in the middle of the match and just goes, I respect you, Booker Man, and then leaves. And it was like, what? Like, uh, did he just go off script, you know? And it was just really cool. And no one knew whether he was supposed to say that. And Kevin Sullivan, turns out that it was planned, but it was brilliant. It was really brilliantly done. And Kevin Sullivan played it up like, oh, he shouldn't have said that I'm the booker, you know, and all that. It was really, really good. Nice. I like and, that kind of stuff. That, that's yeah. Nice. Have you heard about how he um, left WCW and went to the WWF? How he did it? No. 
he worked um, Bischoff. So what he did was he he wanted to go to the WWF, but he was stuck in his WCW contract. So he basically started doing this loose cannon sort of character and was in character all the time in the locker room and everything. And no one knew, like the other wrestlers and stuff, no one knew what was real and what wasn't with Brian Pillman. And he went and he went at a private meeting with Bischoff and he was like, oh, I'm really working everyone. This is brilliant. Like dirt sheets, everything. No one's going to know what's real and what isn't. So what you need to do, if you fire me, I'll go to ECW and really work on this loose scanning gimmick and I'll sort of start these storylines in ECW and then come back to WCW and bringing these storylines with me and bringing a lot of ECW fans watching it as well. Bischoff was like, that's awesome. We're working everyone. No one's going to be in the in the know. So he fires um, he fires Brian Pillman as agreed. Pillman's out of his contract, goes straight to WF on like, really, really good money. <laughs> okay, that that yeah, he needs to be up a lot higher for that. Alone. Yeah, it's amazing. He's is Pillman's just one of my favourite char- characters that's ever been in the business, and um, I it's just such a as with so many, you know, it's such a pisser that he died when he did because I would love to have seen where his career would have gone. Had he not, I really think like he could have gone as far as he wanted to. Like I know he wasn't, I, mean, I say he wasn't the biggest guy, but Jesus, you look at some pictures of him and he was ripped. But um, he he really, I think his personality and stuff could have taken him to the top quite easily. He got it. Nice. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest, I, I know of the famous Pilmer moments and I've seen a handful of matches, but I think I've kind of, he's someone that's kind of slipped under my radar. Um, yeah. For, for someone I've properly got into. So I think that's going to be a little bit of homework for me as well to kind of go and go and check him out. Because was there a DVD release by WE? There was, but it's not very good. It's a very, um, it's a very gloss over documentary. They, uh, it's like just over an hour long and they barely touch on anything really. They just talk about growing up with his football career. They talk about his horrible car accident and that his work with Stone Cold in WF and then his death and that's it really it's yeah. and there's and that, there's so much more to Pillman than that okay i will do solo research and check out some uh, some matches of Mr Pillman cuz you're right whenever i saw him on screen or or any of his matches i do find him very entertaining it's just someone i've never really followed up with the stuff with the stuff with the Hart Foundation in WF was brilliant um the st- the first ever nitro match on the first episode of WCW Nitro was him versus just Jushin Thunder Liger which is um, a well fantastic opener for the for your first ever show. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Was, you can't have anyone better, really. No, it's just yeah, some some stunning, stunning stuff. Really, really good. You sold him to me one hundred percent. Very uh, good. Speaking of Mr. Liger, this is an odd segue. My number four pick is the heavy of the NWO, Mr. Scott Norton. Oh, nice. Now, Scott. Oh, I'm just going to have to calm myself down. Scott should probably be lower on this list, but there are people who I, I had to just put ahead of him. But when I was writing my notes and I was like reminding myself of how good Scott was, I was getting angry, like physically angry. I have to say that I I never saw that much in Scott Norton. Well, let me paint you a picture of words. Okay, please do. Scott Norton never won a WCW title which is criminal for the first standpoint. If we're talking about, you know, WCW had their, you know, the, the main event and the second hour was all the big boys, uh, putting him with NWO and not giving him his own run just 
did not make any sense. Because, yeah, he had success in the NWO and it kind of gave him that name. Um, but this man is a two-time IWGP heavyweight champion. One of only six foreigners to ever do that. He is a two-time IWGP tag team champion. And when he eventually returned to New Japan, he was voted the greatest Gaijin MVP in 2002. So it's not like he had a couple of good years, a couple of bad years. He was just consistently good. Yeah. When he signed with WCW, I checked the PWI of that year. He was number 47. 47 best wrestler in the world at that time in 1993. Yeah, according what, to PWI. Well, yeah. Would you ever argue a PWI? They're pretty <laughs> No, never. When he joins WCW, they put him in a tag match with a man called Ice Train. <laughs> yeah, they do. And they become fire and ice, baby. Yeah, they do. Oh, uh, Which, I went back to watch their kind of formation of how they kind of started. Um, he he faced Ice Train. It ended in a double count out when they both clotheslined each other and knocked each other out. And then... <laughs> Scott went, yeah, I could be a tag team with him. Yeah, What is nice. that? What is that? Um, and they became a tag team for a while, and they did okay f- facing the Steiner brothers. Um, I, I feel like every tag team faced the Steiner brothers. That's just like their, their marquee feud. Fun, yeah, funnily enough, the, the, um, the biggest memory I have of Scott Norton is um, the first time I ever saw Scott Steiner do the Steiner screwdriver was on Scott Norton. So, and like when you see that move for the first time, you just go, "Oh Jesus!" because it's just so dangerous. Yeah, and so that's that's my biggest memory of Scott Norton being dumped on his head by Scott Steiner. <laughs> um, and I, Norton and those two broke up, and they faced each other at Hogwild, and yeah, that was the end of them. Great, not a lot there, in all <laughs> honesty. But then he, um, he's. He split his time between WCW and, and uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. So yeah. confusing when you've got you've written down the uh, NJPW and you just want to read that, and it's like, no, it's New Japan Pro Wrestling. <laughs> um, and yeah, he just he kept splitting his time. So eventually, he joined the New World Order and uh, got put in another tag team, by the way, with Buff Bagwell. And top two favorite tag team names after Fire and Ice is Vicious and Delicious. <laughs> That is good. Yeah, so Scott Norton's got good pedigree for tag team title he names. He does. And do you, do you want to guess who they feuded with for the World uh, Tag Team Championships? Does it does it rhyme with um, Reiner? It rhymes with Reiner. The Steiner <laughs> brothers again. Like, whatever tag teams were there at the time? Um, yeah, uh, yeah, you're at Harlem Heat. They were they were amongst it, but that's about it, really. That's when, um, that's when Booker T was from New York before he decided he was from Texas. As happens with a lot of wrestlers. Yeah. Um, and then Norton would, while he was in NWO, went back and forth to New Japan uh, Pro Wrestling. And he was a member of NWO Japan over there. He became their ace for a while. And uh, he was just a member of both factions. While doing that, he won the vacant the vacant IWGP world title. And he held that title while also wrestling for NWO and WCW. Uh, and was it ever mentioned on TV? Was it? No. Was it F? It was mentioned no. once. It was mentioned just the once that he had it. Um, but of course, you can't overshadow Mr. Hulk Hogan, brother, with his <laughs> WCW title, because that means a lot. Um, but he held that title for four months. He was IWGP champion for four months. And, nice. Uh, yeah, just lost over there, and it was never mentioned. So the fact that he I was... I didn't know that. Yeah, right? This is why he's such a 
underused wrestler because mm. then they chucked him in the B team and he was just mid-low card doing squash matches the whole time. Yeah, and, the NW bitches. Yeah, exactly. And you've got him doing squash matches and just like, ah, whatever, do what you want in, in that match. And then in New Japan, they're booking him as this threat to every single main eventer that they've got and constantly going for that world championship. It just kind of... It, it, it just kind of baffles me how he can be so split, you know. WCW just go, meh, whatever, you're, yeah. you're a heavy in the background. And then New Japan seem as this amazing talent which which he is if you properly go and watch some of his matches um i don't know if i can recommend recommend a great new japan match i will find one and post one because i feel like scott Norton... maybe that's what we should do uh, posting on twitter and stuff um or instagram just like from each of our top fives just one match from each guy that we think you should go watch yeah yeah i would like that kind of breaks up the timeline a little bit so and then he returned to New Japan and he stayed there pretty much till 2006 and stayed there for 16 years which is mad yeah I watched him Um, he wrestled the night after Wrestle Kingdom this year in a big multi-man match uh, Bullet Club against other people and um, Scott Norton was in the other people team and um, yes, hit. you were right. I remember that. Do you now. remember that? Uh, he and hit, him and Kenny Omega right. had a moment. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I remember. Um, mm. And Cheeseburger was in it. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that, that's when Suzuki Gun came back, isn't it? Yes. Not that match, but that night. Yeah. So, I, I feel like if, if New Japan can see something in you, and even s- still see something in you in modern day New Japan, you, you've got to have something. There's got to be something yeah. there. And I feel like if as a big man, they could they could have done so much with him, especially for how they viewed that world title. And just break away from the NWO. His last match was against Goldberg, but a Goldberg feud would have been would have been wicked. And yeah, it, it, what's gen- he like on the stick? Yeah, that that's kind of where it kind of falls apart. It wasn't bad, it wasn't yeah. terrible, but it wasn't what they were normally expecting from WCW talent. But yeah, personally, I feel that one genuinely makes me angry. Yeah, fair enough. It's funny you say that about um, him having success in New Japan, um, but it never being acknowledged on WCW telly. Um, they did the sort of same thing in reverse to Sting when I was going through Nitro recently. Sting was the US champion, and he lost the US title at a New Japan show. And it was just never acknowledged on WCW. He just turned up without the title one day, and that was it. No one ever sort of questioned where it had gone or anything. But that doesn't make because they had such a they had that relationship, obviously, because of everything they did with New Japan. And it's just like, mm. why? Why would you not mention this stuff? <laughs> yeah, it's weird, baffling. So yeah, Scott Norton, you proudly sit at number four. I would like to put you higher, but uh, we we have others to get to. Good choice. So my number three. And I must have had a brain fart earlier when I was writing this list because um, on my list it says number three, Alexandra Burke. And that is not who my number three is because that's an X Factor winner from a few years ago. Um, <laughs> completely underutilised, completely. Completely underutilised. What I was supposed to write was Alundra Blaze, also known as Medusa. Ah, okay. I was almost going to put her in my list. Oh, really? Yes, but you didn't? I did not. Mm, that's interesting so we haven't got any crossovers so far i think this is the longest we've gone without a crossover so far yeah um so alundra blaze alexandra burke is um 
was one of the best women's wrestlers of her era. Um, WCW stole her and um, did the whole WF women's title in the trash thing. Um, that was just a moment, right? There was no, like, that didn't elevate Alundra Blaze onto anything in WCW, nope. really. Nope. I think it was it was even months later that she had her first match. I mean, there was no there was no women's division in WCW. They she was like the only woman. They started one for a bit, but I don't. I think it didn't even last a year. There was a women's title WCW one for a little bit. They used to get um, Japanese. There's a couple of pay per views from the let, mid 90s where they got um, Japanese women in to um, do sort of showcase matches just, on pay per views. Just any women or actual wrestlers? Did they just bring anyone over? Uh, well, if if it was just <laughs> anyone, they did a tremendous job, but I wouldn't put it past them. Okay. Um, and they were they're stunning matches actually I can't remember what shows they were oh one of them I think one of them was on um, World War 3 95 I think just an absolutely stunning um, tag team match between four Japanese women whose none of their names I can remember I'm afraid but really really good match um, but no, no sign of Medusa where is she she just barely did anything she was just on the shelf on a, under a WCW contract probably yeah. being paid well Um and up until last year, when she was put into the Hall of Fame, she was all but forgotten, really. The only time she was ever mentioned is the WWF title in the trash can. That's the only time well, that she was ever brought as up. As you said, it, it was the moment, you know, that it was just, here's the moment, there you go. And that was yeah. it. They, they have a couple of times that happened where they just had no forward thinking. Brett immediately springs to mind. Oh, let's sign Brett. What do we do with him? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, bring him out in Starcade and... Um, sort of make it look like he sting cheated to win the main event when he came back as the crow. But, um, it's, yeah, I think Medusa, um, was that WCW stole Medusa's prime years as a wrestler. I think she was great. And those years she could have put on some stunning matches, but she didn't have the, there was no women to put them on with in WCW. So she was just sort of went stale and then became a monster truck driver. Did you know that? I did. Uh, with, yeah. her, with her army husbands. I think husbands yeah, is right, right, plural. Is it? Yeah, husbands. Uh, yeah, she got the husband to stand up, didn't she, in her Hall of Fame speech. Yes. And Jesus, if, there, if I've ever seen a more stereotypical looking army dude in my life. <laughs> it, it's, yeah, it's her husband, definitely. I, I did like that in the Hall of Fame, because she's always said that she regrets doing that, taking the title and dropping it in the trash. So that's always been her biggest regret. And at the Hall of Fame speech, when she brings the trash can on and she pulls it out, that that's a nice little loop. I like loops. I like stuff being finished. I bet that wasn't her idea. I bet Vince was out back with a gun. And he was, <laughs> <laughs> you take that trash can out there. It's all he's cared about for the past 15 years. That's all he wanted <laughs> yeah, it's, done. It's been at the forefront of his mind. <laughs> uh, it was great. You know, it was a huge moment for WCW and it really put him on the map. It was, it was great, but yeah. Yeah, for, for WCW, not Medusa. Not for Medusa at all. Yeah, good choice. Very good choice. Um... Speaking of mistakes where they just do something and don't have a plan to it, my number three pick is probably the greatest example of this. I know it's not Bret Hart because that would not count. It no. is Mike Awesome. Oh, okay. Mike Awesome, I feel, is one of the biggest mistakes they made because of what we were just talking about where they have a plan and then they go, hmm. When, yeah. when Awesome was signed to WCW, he was the ECW champion. He mm. was their, their top guy. He refused to sign uh, a new contract with Paul Heyman because Paul paid, um, owed him overdue wages, according to Lance Storm. 
Shocker. Yeah. So WCW had ECW top guy locked down on a contract and a big contract at that, meaning, you know, we're going to do something. So why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you go and take that sweet contract deal? As probably what happened to Medusa as well. Yeah, um, I would. And what did they do with Mike Awesome? Sweet F.A. Yeah, nothing. Nothing. He's no longer with us, is he, Mike Awesome? Uh, I think quite a few on my list of passed on as they say yes he died in 2007 yes that's right i believe he topped himself uh yep hanging inside his home there you go i think i've got quite a few of those on my list so i'll do i'll do a rundown of them later <laughs> um and yeah they, they they dropped the ball because back to the pwi 500 which is the most accurate rating system for wrestlers in my humble opinion obs obs uh, in 2002, when he signed, he was ranked number seven. Number seven. Number seven. Of, number seven out of 500. Jesus, I didn't know he ever got that high. Yeah, Mike Awesome, when he was ECW champion, top of the ECW game. Ooh, was he good? Do you remember his match that he had at the um, ECW One Night Stand thing? The WE did the first one. Oh yeah, the later ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. So this would have been only a year or two um before he died then. Um. And God, it was a brilliant match. It was really, really good, and and I, and I can't even remember who he was against now. Another another ECW guy, obviously. Um, but that's worth checking out. ECW One Night Stand 2005, the Mike Olson match. Go watch it. It's brilliant. Yeah, he could still go. And that might no, it's not going to be the one I pick. I'm going to pick one of his world title matches. But they they had him in that contract, and he he came in well. He helped the New Blood. He took out Hulk Hogan, and it was like wow. But you take out Hulk Hogan, and you bite the hand that fed your son. Because yeah. going from number seven in the world in 2000, he was also voted worst gimmick that same year. And I would argue for both of the gimmicks that WCW forced upon him. Yeah. First came the fat chick thriller. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that happened. Yeah, wow. We've all been there. And then he debuted as that 70s guy because of the popular TV show, That 70s Show. And he was literally called that seventies guy. That was his like, gimmicky name, yeah. That seventies guy, and he came out dressed in all seventies outfits and stuff. He also had a interview segment, which I would put up there with Piper's Pit, um, the highlight reel. <laughs> it was called the Lava Lamp Lounge. Not very nice. Did anyone ever get a lava lamp smashed over their head in this segment? I don't recall it ever happening, so I feel like that's a miss. That's a missed opportunity. Dropped the ball there a little bit. Um, that lava lamp is my number two. <laughs> the reason that it should have worked is because, obviously, when you've got someone coming in who's one of the top ten in the world and you've signed him as a champion from your rival company and you make him that 70s guy, where where is the thought process in that? Where's the logic? You look at Mike Awesome when he wrestles. That man could die. He was 6'6". He could die through the ropes like a cruiserweight. His power bombs were incredible. He did one of the best top rope splashes in the business, and you make him that seventies guy. Yeah, <sighs> depressing. It, You're getting wound up, uh, aren't you? <laughs> getting to that level now. And <laughs> his mic's all right. I, one of the reasons was Mike's skills really didn't work out that well for him. But that's something yeah. you can work around. Put him with a manager could have covered up all those shortcomings and just make him into a wrecking machine with a mouthpiece, and you could have just let him go. Quite easily just let him go and be one of the top guys in your company. Without yeah. a doubt. So, yeah. Wow, Mike Awesome. 
Was Again, not that not that familiar with his work, I have to admit. But uh, but that ECW, I remember that ECW one night stand match legitimately blowing me away. Like, and it's quite when you don't know much about the guys you're watching, and the match still blows you away. I think that's a really good sign. And especially when I don't like using the term past their prime, but in terms of what they were, ECW, WCW, we're talking 15, 16 years later. In what was it two thousand five? Yes, 2005. Oh, wait, now I'm getting my years mixed up. So, a couple of years. Yeah. Six, couple of years later. later. But the dude, the dude was still, like, he was he was tubby. The dude was not in shape. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you could definitely notice. So, yeah, shame. But um, we'll see. We'll, if people go back and check out his matches, maybe they'll do, like, a special on Mike Awesome, and I, I can be hopeful. But I, I'm going to really struggle to, to narrow down a match to kind of pick for Mike Awesome. Yeah. That's going to be a tough one. Um, so Mike Awesome you sit at number 3 my friend very good and rest in peace R.I.P. brother R.I.P. be a tubby brother um, my number 2 <laughs> was that disrespect sorry <laughs> sorry sorry Mike um, my number 2 and I, I reckon this might be um, your 2 or 1 as well okay. okay so I reckon this might be where we cross over my number two is Das Wunderkind, Alex Wright. You are wrong. Ah, oh, you have Alex Wright. I feel so wrong for not having one. He is number six. But I yeah. 100% agree with whatever you're about to say. Yeah, just... Well, I mean, what what is there... You know, there's not that much to say, is there? He's just he's just a really good wrestler. Just had a really good move set. It was really cool to see a foreign wrestler not being booked as a heel Um which wasn't the trend, you know, at the time, and still isn't now, really. I mean, look at Jinder Mahal and stuff like that's all, and Rusev. It's all, it's all based around their nationality, the sort of heat they're trying to get. And but Alex Wright didn't do that. He was a face. He was um, athletic. He uh, Ric Flair was a massive um, supporter of him apparently, and wanted him pushed to the main event level. Yeah. But it just it just never happened for him, and he just had some stunning matches. Um, he also did you know that Triple H wrestled at a Starcade? I did not. Yeah, Starcade nineteen ninety four. Jean Paul Levesque, um wrestled Das Wunderkind Alex Wright in a pretty good match. So that's weird to watch that sort of thinking the level you know where Triple H is in his life now and being one of the most important people in wrestling and doing this little match with Alex Wright in ninety four Starcade. But two very German looking men right there. I, I, yes. I just, oh. Triple H is an Aryan dream. He yes, you're right. And Alex and Alex Wright, I mean, as he was a victim of as WCW got weirder and worse through the years with the poor booking and stuff, so did he, because they had to give him sorry, I'm burping a lot. I've had fish for dinner, I've got the Omega burps. And not <laughs> not not the not the Kenny kind. Okay. Um and yeah, just they gave him like gimmicks with German techno music stuff in the late nineties, yeah, as it went to two thousand, which was just lame. But old Alex Wright, when he was not old, like young Alex Wright in the old days, um, was just fantastic. He was just consistent. I've never ever um, watched him and been disappointed. He's just consistently good. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. Um, there's so many matches that we could pull out for him because. It, he is literally one of the people. If we're going to say criminally underused, he he just seemed to be like an afterthought. It was kind of like he's there, and we like him, but oh, we just can't do anything with you right now. Sorry. 
Yeah, and it was a shame. And w- WF WF never picked him up because he was one of the um, one of the ones on an AOL Time Warner um, contract. So that means that they'd make more money sitting at home than going to work for the WWF, which is why a lot of big names in WCW didn't come in straight away when WF bought WCW. But uh, but he was one of them, but obviously not a big name. So by the time that contract expired, he'd he'd just been forgotten and WF weren't interested in him. And it's such a shame. Can you imagine him in the cruiserweight division in WWE in like 2002, 2003 with... um, with Ray and Jamie Noble and Tajiri and when they brought Ultimo Dragon in for a little bit, do you remember that? Like yeah, all yeah. all of that lot. Um that would have been fantastic. Yeah. Um one of my picks is someone that falls quite well into that list and I, I feel like there there was a lot of that where that cruiserweight division if you took the WCW division and put it into what became the WE, it, it did get really good, uh, especially around WrestleMania twenty when you had like everyone doing that match some of the best cruiserweights in the world but you could have added quite a few more in there yeah yeah absolutely 100 percent. very good choice very good choice um i'm i was disappointed i couldn't fit him in my list i'm i'm amazed he's not are you disappointed in me i'm not disappointed in you. i'll actually be quite happy if we don't have a single crossover i just think that'll be quite interesting and that doesn't that hasn't happened yet so i'm i'm pulling for that okay N- number one might be my yeah, favorite. I think I, you're I feel right. Like number one, um, number two for me is Chris Canyon. Ooh, okay. Canyon Mortis, whatever you want to know him by. Um, what about Canyon? What about Canyon, guys? What about it? <laughs> uh, I f- I feel like he's another one like Mike Awesome, who they really dropped the ball with hard because <sighs> and topped himself. Yeah, there's another one on my list. They got lots in common. Yeah, <laughs> you're a horrible person. <laughs> it's just a fact it's just a fact um, yeah so Canyon was a great talent really great talent and when they can, you knew he was in a bad start from when he started because they placed him in a tag team called Men at Work which was just basically a job a tag team and, <laughs> um, the gimmick was basically they were two construction wrestlers who wore jeans Nice from a land down under. Yeah, and he would can uh, can would cause the team to lose matches because he would take his measuring tape out and measure things at inappropriate times. <laughs> like <laughs> that's money. That's that's a that's a good start to a career there. And then, as we mentioned before, the flock comes into play with um, with Raven and and his stable where it was the dumping ground. This was when he was as Mortis. Um, do you, um, of course you're going to remember, but when me and Jesse used to do, I don't know if any of our listeners remember, we used to do, they were called MSN groups, and you could run your own wrestling federations in them. Where you yeah, get, you could. Yeah, what a time to be alive, eh? Yeah. And you get people from all over, and you join these little feds, and you, you write promos, and then someone writes up the results and stuff. Um, and our friend Adam... Uh, wanted to, to join but he didn't know a lot about wrestling and he said oh just give me give me a really cool gimmick and I think I was watching WCW at the time and Mortis was on and he was like oh I want to be I want to be Mortis I want to be that guy and I was like okay because the whole point of the Fed was it had to be created wrestlers but I yeah because... I, I had Vice Rampage yeah who did very well for himself um, but I Vice Rampage main event level performer yeah, Jesse used to do so. Like I used to run run the group, and I'd write up the the matches and stuff, and we do like pay per views and weekly shows and stuff. And Jesse had the title for for a couple of months, and then then he lost it, 
and we were in school at the time, and I didn't think much of it. I, I just wrote the match, <laughs> put it up, he lost the title, I was building towards a program. I come into school, and just from across, I'll never forget the look in your eyes from when I saw you. <laughs> that the, wasn't me looking at you, that was Vice Rampage. <laughs> the rage in that man's eyes when he lost a fictional internet title <laughs> was <laughs> pure murder. It was... Is that... Is that what I was chasing you around for yeah. when I broke our teacher's ankle? Uh, yes, that was the reason. Yes, so uh, well, so yeah, as Max said, he booked me to lose uh, the MCW, it was, Maximum Championship Wrestling um, World Title, which um, there's an actual Fed called MCW now, isn't there? there but is uh, but you, you predate it, yeah. Um, and yeah, and Vice, so Vice Rampage lost the title after many months on top, being a Dominant, dominant heel, beautiful, vice rampage, built like a brick shit house, six foot six, jet white hair, and just yeah, what had he had a good look. Think like um Brock Lesnar meets evolution Randy Orton. But um yeah, so he lost the belt, so I came into school, saw Max, I was livid, vice rampage came out of me and I chased him. <laughs> um and... You were like five foot four at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly uh, but i was running like a gazelle and um it had been raining outside and um so i chased him outside for a bit we came back in it was all wet inside from people walking in and out chasing him i slip because it's wet on the floor and um end up accidentally slide tackling one of our teachers she, breaking her ankle in the process she took a good complete bump. accident she took an amazing bump i actually tried to hold her up on her ankle not realizing it was broken and she went put me fucking down which was um, interesting to hear from a teacher at the time. We were like 13 at the time. And uh, so, yeah, that happened. That's something that happened in my life. So now I understand the booking backstage at WCW. I feel like <laughs> that's, <laughs> that, that's what we'd have to deal with. Um, so, yeah, that's something that happened in our, in our real world lives in the sense of... But, yeah, sorry, just we just shit all over Chris Canyon's legacy then by just going... Yeah, sorry, sorry Canyon. <laughs> But, Vice Rampage has a better legacy. But Adam wanted to be Mortis, and I was like, oh, he doesn't really know the character, he'll kind of make it his own. So that was my fun little tidbit before we got segued. Um, but Mortis <laughs> was a fun character. He was, you know, that happened. But <laughs> I feel like they could have done a lot more with it. It was kind of a bit of a more combat ripoff. Um, but he made it work. He made everything work. And that, that's why he was such a good talent. He He did so well in the sense of whatever he was given, he would you know, try and make it work. Um, he had storylines with Diamond Dallas Page when you were getting into the Jersey Triad kind of area. Um, and he kept getting taken out and beaten up again, but would come back again. Um, also starred in the WCW film Ready to Rumble. Did you ever watch Ready to Rumble? I never watched Ready to Rumble. Oh my God, what a film. Do we need to sort out a uh, viewing together? We do. I showed it to Steph. Um who doesn't know a lot about her WCW history. She was thoroughly entertained. Amazing. Cool. We need to watch this. Okay. We'll, we'll, maybe we'll do a, a live stream viewing. Oh, that'd be good. Do you, know what else, do you know what else I've never seen, which which I really should have done? What's that? Wrestling with Shadows. Haven't you? I've never seen it. And so many people have told me that it is the greatest wrestling documentary ever made. It really is. It does make you feel a bit like, oh, uh, was the Montreal Screwjob a inside job? And just Oh, really? Does it feel like that? I don't know. It was just... Yes, it, maybe it was just convenient that they were had the 
film crew there to film the final days of his career and he was just going to walk out and then the Montreal screw job happened and there had to be a documentary crew there I don't know probably but you know we're just too cynical as wrestling fans yeah I don't I don't believe it's a work that I don't I don't think they've kept it, was, it going for too long they're not that good wrestlers as actors well, the way Brett's career went, like, why would you voluntarily commit career suicide? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, very true. Very true. Um, but, yeah, back to Chris Canyon. Yes, sorry, Chris oh, Canyon. Dude. Number two, Number most two. underrated WCW wrestler. <laughs> You're off all over the place. Um, <laughs> he... He also wrestled as Chris Champagne. Sorry, just before just before you go back to Chris Some Canyon. There's one more, there's one more. You just mentioned DDP, and you also mentioned Mortal Kombat ripoff, right? Yeah. And um, those two things made me think of something. I was on Facebook earlier, and um, a advert for DDP Yoga came up. Yeah. looked like one of those sponsored adverts. And um, they were interviewing all these wrestlers that whose lives have been changed by DDP Yoga. And they were interviewing, like, you know, Chris Jericho, Jake the Snake, and everything like that. And then one of them was Sub-Zero. Really? Yeah, what a random, like, why would you choose Sub-Zero, that wrestler that everyone remembers? It's just really, what a random addition as someone whose life's been changed by DDP Yoga, and they include him with all these massive names. Well, maybe he had the greatest transformation of all. Maybe he could finally go into warm climates and... Yes, yeah, maybe. DDP um, helped him cope with the sun. But yeah, that, but I I just thought that was really odd. Anyway, back to Canyon, go. Uh Okay, thank you. Um, he seems to be the person who got removed or fired, but kayfabe fired more than anyone I ever knew. Um, I don't know if it was because his... St- I don't know if the depression was part of his storyline or real. I've, I've never quite understood that. I think it was real because of obviously what happened. Well, based on the outcome of his life. We'll go with real, yeah. <laughs> um, also, Chris Brooks and Kid Lycos won't be happy because, well, they ripped him off, but uh, he also did wrestle a CCK for a while. Chris Champagne oh, really? Canyon, uh, CCK, which was uh, Jay Biggs was his agent at the time. Uh, another little fun gimmick he had. He had so many gimmicks, and he he put his all into every single one he did. Um, his final kind of run in WCW was renewing his feud with DDP, um, where he returned to the ring. He defeated Page at Super Bowl Revenge. Um, I mean, Peter did defeat him again the next night, but whatever. He, he finally got his victory over him. Huh. Uh, and then he had another gimmick change before eventually ending up in WWF, where pff, not a lot happened there, unfortunately. Not a lot happened there. He, he the... came out, didn't he? And um, this is the issue I was going to get to. Yeah. It seems like Canyon's career will be summed up by he won't be known by anything he did in his ring except for he's that wrestler <laughs> that came out after his big league career. Whereas his actual big league in-ring career is nothing short of amazing if you go back and watch his matches. Yeah. And it's a shame that that's kind of his legacy. Oh, he's a wrestler that was gay. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, coming out in a locker room with people like The Undertaker in it um, probably isn't the smartest idea. No, no, true. Um, One of his kind of last matches, because he wrestled up until about 2007... He appeared in PWG and uh, faced Joey Ryan for his title. Oh, really? Yeah, he got distracted by someone wearing a Mortis outfit. And that was his <laughs> good. Like, last appearance. So, Ah, oh, poor guy. I didn't know he lived that long. I thought he died earlier than 97. No, 2010. Um, oh, really? was when he died, yeah. He... 2007, I just said 97. You know what I meant. I know what you meant. Uh, yeah, another one with an overdose of antidepressants. 
Oh, was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But WWE actually acknowledged his death, which I found quite surprising. They did a little acknowledgement, which they don't always do for some wrestlers. But it was nice no, that they, they don't. kind of uh, acknowledged him. Especially the gay ones. Especially them. So, <laughs> But now they got, uh, what's his name, Darren Young. They got Darren Young, yep. Yeah. But it's a different time now. It's amazing how... Like 2000, like, well, the 2000s basically doesn't feel like that long ago, but as far as attitudes and stuff, particularly in wrestling, um, it's just, it's come on, it's come on so much in such a short amount of time, isn't it? You look at how women are perceived. What were were we watching the other day? I think, watching some pay per view wasn't that long ago, and it was literally, I was just flicking through, flicking through, and it was just women in lingerie. Yeah. And that was during the women's match on there. Yeah, the pillow fight at 19, WrestleMania 19. Do you remember that? Yeah, with the Cat Miller Cool Girls. Yes, that's right. Miller like Miller like Cool Girls yeah. or Cat Girls Cat or something. Girls. Cool yeah. Girl sounds a bit weird. Yeah, it does. Just a bit. But um, if you ever get a chance, go check out um, some more Chris Canyon matches because I feel like quite a few people have missed a treat in terms of actual in-ring ability. And let's make it so he's not just that gay wrestler. Let's try yeah. and remember some more of Chris Canyon. Very good, good, good choice, my friend. And yeah, find me. Um, yeah, well, you'll you'll post a match, won't you, on social on the socials on the socials, baby. So, yeah, so um, I'll be able to find a good canyon match on your recommendation. Boom! Hit me with it, then, Daddy. My number one, and oh. I imagine, as as you've said, um, you, I think this might be our crossover. So I'm digging back into my top five favorite wrestlers list from re- week one. Ooh, I don't my number. My number one is Dean Malenko. We are not the same. We have not crossed over at all. That's awesome. Uh, I'll be interested to see who your number one is then, if you thought that's who I would have gone for. So, Malenko, um, as I, I mean, I covered everything in the first week of why I love Malenko so much, but I think it's such a shame that he was never lifted out of the cruiserweight division in, in the way that someone like Redacted was. Because... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, get to laugh every time i know it's still funny it's always going to be funny i think uh what i need to do is keep saying it um until it stops being funny but stick with with it stick with it and then it'll be funny again yeah we'll get your t-shirts made up so they'll be like oh they've gone too far with this joke and then we'll bring it back oh god i would i think i'd actually wear it a a t-shirt with benoit's face on but with you know how, like, never mind the bollocks, the um, Sex Pistols album cover with the Queen's face and yeah. the way it's written over that. Imagine that, but with Benoit's face and like redacted over over his eyes or something. Any of you listeners take that idea? That is copyrighted by Five Count Wrestling. <laughs> that would be so. No, someone, someone, do it and stick it on Redbubble. You will get a sale from me. No, we want the sale, you idiot. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. We'll we'll put it up. <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm not very good at marketing. Um, we'll someone do, it do the work for me. Yeah, I just want the T-shirt. I don't care. I don't want anyone else to have it. But um, but yeah, probably a bit disrespectful. But cool T-shirt. I want that. Um, anyway, Dean Malenko, um, good friend of Redacted. Was yeah, he was never lifted out of the cruiserweight division properly like Benoit was. Um, he is one of the best in-ring wrestlers of all time. We agreed on that on the first week. Um, he could have been a hell of an asset to WCW. Imagine him in that main event making people like Hogan and Nash and um, Horde in the condition he was at the time, just he could have made them look good because that's what wrestlers like that do. And that's what the main event needed in WCW. You needed those wrestlers to look good. 
and they didn't because they were all wrestling each other and they were good characters big money players but not particularly talented wrestlers and I, I think Malenko could have done some stunning work with them mm-hmm. having said that um, he was if he had gone out of the cruiserweight division the cruiserweight division in WCW would have sucked Dean Malenko made that division for me I know Eddie Guerrero is amazing I know Rey Mysterio is amazing and stuff but the way Malenko would stay grounded against people like that is something that cruiserweight division really needed and made it really good. My favorite thing in the world. And it happens with both Eddie and Ray is when they try and do some lucha flippy shit off the top rope. Malenko just catches them in the air and slams them down in the heaviest power bomb you've ever seen. And they, and they just hit them out harder than anyone or anyone. It's amazing. Yeah. And I think that's something they could probably do with more in the current cruiserweight division. Yeah, you got your Drew Gulaks and uh, Tony Nieses and stuff, but Tony Nies still does his fly stuff. You get a proper technical little guy, and yeah, yeah. you could, you could. I, I don't understand why that's always an omission from um, cruiserweight wrestling. You know, you got people like Zack Saber Jr., not a flippy guy at all by any stretch of the imagination, but he is a cruiserweight. Yeah, absolutely, and and um, and Malenka, like he. And imagine here, so not only do I feel like he was underused in WCW, but as we covered in our first week, he was even more misused in WWF with his ladies' man gimmick and all that rubbish stuff and just sort of faded into obscurity. But imagine if he held on a couple of years, we could have seen Dean Malenko Kurt Angle. Yeah. We could have seen him, well, any, any of the SmackDown 6, Dean Malenko again, it would have been SmackDown 7 if Dean Malenko was still wrestling then. That would He would have... Put on stunning matches with all those people. I would have liked to have seen Malenko Cena. I think that would have been really good. Yeah, the old wily veteran versus the young upstart. Yeah, like you, you know, you put Angle Cena as one of your No Mercy favorite matches. It like Malenko would have done a similar thing for him, I think. And yeah, just Malenko was easily the most talented WCW wrestler of all time. If we're talking strictly wrestling, I'm not talking character or promo or anything like that if you're just talking technical wrestling there's no one better than Dean Malenko I, I, will, I will agree but on the flip side with my number one choice also from the cruiserweight division yeah you mentioned Ray and Eddie and Dean okay there's three heads of your Mount Rushmore of the cruiserweight division I feel like one of the most underutilized WCW wrestlers and someone who should have been used a lot more and especially used a lot more outside of WCW in WE is Psychosis. Oh, okay. He's your number one Psychosis most underused. is my number one underused wrestler because the fact that he's not in that conversation of those top three is insane because he is... He was one of the guys that really made that cruiserweight division. Yeah. Whenever you talk about some of Ray's best matches or Hooventud or Eddie, the, the person that you say is versus Psychosis versus Psychosis. He he was he was bigger. He had more of a physical presence, which made him a little bit more of a credible threat than your usual cruiserweights. Um, but his crazy mask, crazy mask. You know, he had that kind of Jushin Liger draw to him with that crazy mask going on. Um, and I think he could have just been marketed so well because he wasn't a small guy. He was quite a big dude. And, yeah. Um, he was integral to the formation of that cruiserweight division. Um, and he put over solid match after solid match. 
Um, he did technically have success in being a WCW champion, but technically he only won one. He won two, but he only actually won one Cruiserweight title. Yeah. So what happened was there was a four-way match uh, where he won the title. And it was like, great, but a week later he ended up losing it to Ray, which is a great match all by itself. The second title win was just after he was unmasked. Uh, the previous champion, Len- uh, Lenny Lane, if, if anyone remembers good old Lenny Lane, portrayed a very, um, not always flattering, flamboyant, homosexual persona. So it, was, it, was, <laughs> it was a little OT, OTT, just a little bit. And yeah. uh, Canyon, Canyon was shaking his head in the back. <laughs> pure disappointment. <laughs> uh, it got WCW in a lot of trouble with, um, and is it GLAD? Is it pronounced GLAD? G-L-A-A-D? Yeah, yeah probably. Um, so they immediately pulled Lane, took the title off him straight away, and gave it to Psychosis. They just gave it to him. And ah. the WCW announcement team said he won it at a house show. So more ah. more flip-flop WCW booking of, yeah, he won at a house show. Yeah, he lost at a house show. Whatever. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, but in his first defense, he loses it to Disco Inferno. So oh, of course he does. He never got that, here's the Cruiserweight title, make it your own kind of deal. And I think he should have been. I think if he had a, had the same build as like Ray already, he could have been a huge cruiserweight star. As we discussed when they came over to the cruiserweight division in WWE, he could have been right up there. But what did we get? What did WWE do when they got a hold of Psychosis? They made lawnmowers. They made the Mexicals. Yeah, they did. And they rode down to the ring in lawnmowers, the most Mexican stereotype you could do. <laughs> Oh, the Mexicals. And he was maskless as well. He took his mask off at the ECW one night stand against Ray. Yeah. Um, came out in the mask and took it off. And the crowd didn't quite know how to react. I think there was a put your mask back on chant going on during the match. Yeah, like they just, it, it just immediately, him taking that mask off immediately took the fans out of the match, which was a shame because it was a good match. Yeah. Yeah. It took me out as well because I was so excited when Psychosis joined uh, WE as one of my. He's my number one on this list. Of course, he was one of my favorites in WCW. Um, and yeah, they just... Even my tiny juvenile mind at the time just went, this is wrong. He shouldn't be on a lawnmower. This is wrong. And <laughs> I feel like if he had the same booking as Ray and Eddie did, and he, he deserved it, I don't understand why he didn't get it, then he'd be one of those names and could have, I reckon you could have put him big up in, in WE. Unfortunately, he does have he did have kind of a drug issue. Yeah, who didn't, in fact? Who didn't? Who didn't love a bit of the, the Mary Jane, as they say? Well, yeah, I, you, you'd be very hard-pressed not to find a wrestler from the 90s and early 2000s that didn't have some sort of a drug problem, Yeah, quite frankly. It's just who coped with it better is the ones who stuck around. And uh, I'm just... This is just me doing me here but psychosis was very mexican compared to ray and eddie and uh, <laughs> vince mcmahon being vince mcmahon said get on a lawnmower damn it yeah see when i saw that i didn't understand it i didn't like mexicans being on lawnmowers and stuff because being english you don't really know about mexican stereotypes or i didn't anyway when i was younger so it just made absolutely no sense to me why they were coming out on i, I just didn't make that connection in my head <laughs> Uh, so he, you know, he left WE and he's, he's done all right. He's done very well for himself. You know, he's, he's wrestled all over Mexico now. Um, triple A. He must be getting on a bit now. Yeah. How old is Psychosis? He's 46. 
Oh, not too bad then. He can still go. Uh, But he did the independence. Now he's back in AAA. If you look at his list of championships, it's it's a long list. He's had he's had a lot of stuff going on. Um, A a lot of his great matches are in AAA. If if anyone gets a chance to watch one of those, one of my favorite matches, and I think it was one of the best rated matches of the year. Um, He was with Heavy Metal and Al Picudo versus Rey Mysterio. Um, and it was a very solid match. And he also wrestled uh, Rey a couple of years later in a two out of three falls match at a live event. There's some shaky footage online if you can get a hold of that. And it's uh, very much worth a watch. So, Psychosis, why did they not use you in the way they should have? They should have done that. Cruiserweight division could have been even better. And it was good. Uh, WCW Cruiserweight division in the mid-90s was great. Yeah. And um, and it could yeah they could have they could have made it so much more they could have so that's our top five list for most underrated or underutilized I think is the correct terminology uh, WCW wrestlers who did not become a world champion in WCW or WWE nice and no crossover no I love crossover. that yeah that was brilliant I was no like... crossover but we don't disagree with each other either no um we've literally just given you a top 10 list of the most underrated WCW wrestlers basically yeah that's awesome we rule we rule good job high five yeah oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> ow <laughs> um <laughs> So we've given you a lot to to go through. We will be posting up some matches on the uh, on the social media. Um, if we're doing a match from each person, that's a lot of matches. I might have to set up the old YouTube playlist and link that across. Um, oh, that's not bad. Yeah. So have a look. Otherwise, we're just gonna have a feed of matches that no one's going to understand. Yes. So make sure to check out the Twitter. You can find us at the not the just at five count pod, and you'll be able to follow us on there. Oh, we just got a new follower now. Um, got a message, actually, from... Uh, I asked... We were talking about our top five wrestlers on there. And um, it's Real Wrestling Podcast got in touch. And they said they've got too many to count, in all honesty. Um, quite a few crossovers. They put Canyon in there. Das Wunderkid was one. Um, the Iceman, Hooventood, and Billy Kidman. Billy Kidman was an interesting one. Billy Kidman. I, I nearly went for Billy Kidman, but... Um... But I actually feel like he did as well as he could have done. That's exactly <laughs> why I didn't put him in. I, I looked at his accomplishments and I was like, oh, should I put him in? But then I saw he was multiple cruiserweight champion, multiple tag champion, cruiserweight champion in WE. He had a great um, he had a great babyface following in WCW as well. Though people really got behind him at one point. Yeah, filthy animals and stuff. I Yeah, I agree yeah. with you. I don't think he could have done better. He, yeah. he had Tory Wilson as his manager for a little bit. Yes, he did. They married in real life, didn't oh, yes, they? they? I don't did. think they are anymore. But, um, yeah, they did for a bit. Um, that's interesting that they brought up Hooven to Guerrero as well, because that was nearly on my list as well. Yeah, Hoovy's, um an interesting choice. Uh, when I was a kid, I thought he was another Guerrero. I thought they were just saying it funny. <laughs> just saying it wrong the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> like it. But they kind of agree with what we've said in a lot of stuff. You know, They've also put the Iceman in there, Mr. Malenko. So yeah, we've, we've had a, always. Always. And it, any list that involves good good wrestling involves Dean Malenko. Yeah, very true, very true. So that is our top five list. If you want to go on to Five Count Pod on Twitter and send us over your top five list, then please feel free. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram at Five Count Wrestling, where we will be... Hang on, hang on, hang on. Are you wrapping up? No, no, I'm not res- wrapping up. I'm just okay, giving good. the people the link so they can get involved and tell us what their top fives is. Because, my friend, we need to discuss what next week's top five is. 
We do. And also, just quickly, before we do that, um, we're aware No Mercy has happened. Um, but Meltzer hasn't put his ratings out yet. Lazy Meltzer. Oh, yes. yes so true. that's that's why we're not going through that now. But as soon as Meltzer gets his ratings out, so hopefully by next week, we'll be able to go through the matches, go through what our predictions were, and um, find out who won and lost accordingly. Yeah, Jesse is currently up four to two on um, actual wrestling on predictions uh, after match results. So I am in bad standing at the moment. So I'm just hoping he has a terrible rating system. But if I recall... Well, I do... I do remember you being a lot more cynical than me on your star ratings, which probably holds you in good stead. <laughs> it does, except for when I said Brock and Braun should be about 4.25. Yes, yeah. That's where it's going to go downhill from there. Um, <laughs> so once those come online, we might do the forfeit in the week and post a video up, but we will be discussing the results on next week's podcast. That is for damn sure. But nice. speaking of next week, we have a different top five. Uh, Jesse messaged me today to see what we wanted to do. And um, we've done a lot of top five. The past three have been very much, you know, going over wrestling history and what we feel was the best from, from the past. Uh, best No Mercy matches, favorite wrestler of all time, and now favorite WCW. So I wanted to go more of the fantasy ooh, angle with our mm. with our top five, um, which we wanted to do every once in a while to break it up because... This is what wrestling fans love to do, isn't it? Fantasy book. Make dreams that will never happen and then argue about them. It's all that gets me through my working day. Exactly. So next week, we are discussing the top five WWE current wrestlers who would excel outside of WWE in another promotion. Nice. And do we have to um, specify a promotion for each wrestler? I think so. I... I'm not opposed to having multiple ones, so if you say someone would work well in Ring of Honor and New Japan, because obviously we do have crossovers in the independent world. Yeah. Um, or even if you want to be general and be like, I think they would work just well on the English indie scenes, I'll even have that. But you've got to have your justifications. Otherwise, okay. it's not going to fly, Sunny Beam, Sunshine. Fine, I like that. I like that list. So I think that's going to... I've got ideas already formulating. Are we doing? Sorry, um, just more rules. Um, are, is this current wrestlers, or this, um, can we pick wrestlers from the past? No, this is the current WWE. Just current wrestlers. Who you? Just the feel. current WWE. Yeah. Okay, okay, that's cool. And that's from NXT 205, Raw and SmackDown. Who you feel would be better suited on the indies, much like our dear Cody, not Rhodes, just Cody, has been doing on the indie circuit. And absolutely killing it. Absolutely killing it. I love Cody. So I'm very excited for next week. Um, I feel like we're going to have quite quite a debate on our hands. Yeah, know, this would be good. Like, I'm excited. That one. And listeners, as always, feel free to and uh, please let us know who you would feel. Because I feel like this is going to be a topic that a lot of people are going to have an opinion on. And we might see a few familiar names crop up on this. Yes. And also, before we go, slight amendment from last week. I recall myself saying that No Mercy match Benoit versus Triple H was Benoit's first WWF pay-per-view match. It absolutely wasn't. I had a mistake just before anyone flags me up on that because he obviously wrestled uh, in the triple threat with Angle and Jericho at WrestleMania 2000. So he had been there a while before that. What do we even keep you around for? I know. I just, I just want to, before anyone gets, oh, he's, he claims to be such a big Benoit fan. He doesn't even know what his first match was. <laughs> so that's uh, that's what we've got coming up next week. Thank you for your honesty, by the way, because I, I would have let that slide. But I know what you mean. You don't want people 
gunning for you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so that's been our top five this week. Stay tuned to the social medias for what we've got going on. If you haven't already subscribed to the iTunes, we can be found at the Five Count Wrestling on there as well. And that way you'll get it downloaded nicely into your little inbox every week and you can listen to us. So Very good. until next week, everybody, I've been Max Curtin. I've been Jesse Benz. We need to come up with a better sign off than this. We do. Do you, do you want to spitball some ideas right now? Uh, not not right, not right now. But well, there's too much pressure, but we'll work on it. We'll come up with something amazing for next week. You, it will keep that. That will get him to tune in again. Do you want to rip off uh, Kenny Omega this week? We just rip off wrestlers each week. Yeah. Okay. Right. So. So. Okay. So I gotta do. I gotta do the Omega sign off um, now, and then that's the end. Yeah. Yep. So thank you all cool, very so- much for listening. Please uh, like, share, subscribe, comment on the stuff, and we will see you all next week. Goodbye and good night. The five count. I happen to love the number five. You have a high five. You've got a low five. It's a beautiful number, a glorious number. The five count.